0: spirit catholic radio kvss we are catholic radio for the christian community good morning welcome to spirit mornings with bruce mcgregor and
1: chris mcgregor and
0: today chris we're delighted to be joined again by dr alan schreck Uh, dr schreck is a professor of theology at franciscan university of steubenville specializing in catholic doctrine church history and the teachings of vatican ii he's the author of several books including catholic and christian the complete history of the catholic church the essential catholic catechism and Vatican II, The Crisis and the Promise. Dr. Schreck, good morning, and welcome to the program.
2: Thank you, Bruce and Chris, for inviting me to join you.
1: Well, Dr. Schreck, the subject that we're going to be talking about today, or the person, I should say, of the Holy Spirit, from your book, Your Life in the Holy Spirit, is dear to us in a very special way, because here at KVSS, Vene Santé Spiritus, He is such an important figure in the ministry that we try to bring forth.
2: Omnipresent.
1: That's right. It's wonderful
2: to have a ministry which focuses on the Holy Spirit, which is so important today in the church.
1: What's wonderful about your life in the Holy Spirit is it addresses the issue that I think for many, many people, Catholics and maybe even Christians, that when we think of the Holy Spirit, a lot of times we think of the Holy Spirit in terms of I hate to say it this way, but like objects or things, like living water or a great driving wind, it's difficult to have a relationship with a person when we have those kind of images.
2: Right, and of course, uh, Chris, those are biblical images, and of course, there's a the, the Holy Spirit as God Himself. All the three persons are mystery. And so this is one of the the things that makes the Holy Spirit, I think for many people, even more mysterious than the Father of the Son, because, you know, we can picture a father, we can picture a son, they're they're human images we're familiar with, but a Holy Spirit. And then the Scripture does provide us with this rich uh, diversity of images, and many many of them are like wind, fire, breath, a dove, uh, which are not persons. And yet the Holy Spirit is a person of the Blessed Trinity, and... Fortunately, when Jesus gave the, the fuller revelation of uh, the fuller you know, understanding of the revelation of the Old Covenant, um, well, Jesus himself used some of these images of the living water, but he also talked about the Holy Spirit, especially in John's Gospel, as the advocate, the counselor. Uh, and, um, and, and so the, he really puts that a face on the Spirit in the sense of not giving us an image of what the Spirit looks like, talking about the spirit truly as a person who he is sending another advocate who will come and be with us and be as i, I put it one of my favorite images is not exactly used explicitly in the bible but was used by some of the fathers is the spirit is a, a friend uh... and even in the catechism it mentions this is the spirit is a uh... uh like a, a, a friend not to minimize the divinity of the spirit but he is one who is close to our heart he is with us he is Paracletos means literally one who is at our side. So the Spirit is a person of God who dwells within us, who is at our side to be with us and to guide us and to strengthen us and to do all the things he does as we walk in our journey uh, through life to the kingdom.
1: When we talk about the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity, he is as important as the Father and the Son.
2: Yes, it was a, a heresy in the early Church that they recognized subordinationism that would make either the Son or the Spirit somehow less than the Father or the Spirit less than the, the Father and the Son. So, yeah, the, the three Persons of the Trinity, they're, uh, you know, they're all equal in being, and uh, they, they're all divine, so there's no subordination of the person. They have different roles, and they are different persons, but uh, they, they are all equally God
1: the holy spirit in scripture am i mistaken dr schreck even in genesis where the, the spirit of god hovers over the waters or over chaos or whatever the the translation right. is but yeah. it's always it's that, been present
2: yeah and that that's a, it it's from the very beginning of of the first book of the bible you're right that the spirit is that breath by which and 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 is, is shown also as as a, 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 like a one hovering over these waters, so the Spirit was with the Father and the Son in the beginning, giving life and bringing forth the creation, and this was a work of the, of God, of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and even the Spirit is recognizable there, right?
1: Yeah, and in, in the great incarnation to Our Lady, and that a moment of the Annunciation where the angel Gabriel came to communicate that that great movement of the Holy Spirit within her.
2: Right, and, and even some of the same language is used, The overshadowing. Mm-hmm. The Spirit hovers and overshadows. as He brought forth the initial creation. He begins the new creation, which is in Jesus Christ, uh, through his, uh, through, uh, obviously it's that we say in our creed, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. So this is perhaps the climax of the Spirit's work in our salvation, bringing forth the Redeemer, into the womb of Mary, and by the way, this is also why we're in my book. In the last chapter, is uh, the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Mary mm-hmm. has this very special relationship with God, and she, in a sense, was espoused by God to bring forth Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, of course, is the one who is the uh, the one who brought forth the person of Jesus in the womb of Mary, giving the divinity of Christ and Mary providing the humanity.
1: Mhm. And I, I think that's so significant not only in that the, that giving of the humanity to Jesus but also her role in that another great movement of the Holy Spirit that continues today in that moment of Pentecost. Pentecost wasn't just a flash in the pan. It wasn't something just that happened once.
2: Right, it's really Pentecost was was this, a climax of the work of of Christ and and what he was preparing for. Um of course, and then Mary, of course, provides continuity, just as the Spirit overshadowed her at the Incarnation, uh, at the Annunciation, the moment when the angel appears and, and says, the Spirit will, will overshadow you. Then in the upper room at Pentecost, the Spirit again is overshadowing, this time Mary and all the disciples, and descends and in power to bring forth the, the presence of Christ in the church, and the church is born at Pentecost. So, just as Christ was born and in, in, in conceived at the incarnation at the moment of the Annunciation, the, the church is born, is in a sense conceived uh, through the Holy Spirit's descending on the day of Pentecost. So, there definitely is a continuity. And of course, Jesus says, especially in John's Gospel, he keeps saying, You know, I, it's good for me to go away because unless I go, I won't be able to send my Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you and so and of course uh, he pray and also in luke you know he he says wait until you are clothed with power from on high uh, i'm i'm preparing this great gift so through the gift of the spirit just as christ was conceived and born through the spirit the church is conceived and born
1: and what i loved about so much about your life in the holy spirit what every catholic needs to know and experience is that you you really once again point us, Dr. Schreck, to the importance of the Holy Spirit in our prayer. So we can be open as those disciples in that upper room with the Blessed Virgin Mary in the center that as they were in prayer, that great coming of the Holy Spirit that changed their prayer forever.
2: Yes, one of the things, I, Chris, I, I try to do in the book is I, I, the, the work of the Spirit touches so many dimensions of our Christian life our, of as individuals and as the Church. And prayer is one of the beginning points. I I even quote uh, John Paul II in his book, uh, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, where he is asked by an interviewer, how does the Pope pray? And he says, well, the Pope prays as the Holy Spirit permits him to pray. Mm -hmm. He quotes that beautiful passage in Romans, I think it's 626, that when we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit intercedes within us with unutterable groanings. So it's really the Spirit who prays within us all genuine prayer is is a prayer of the spirit praying within us within our spirit and us yielding to the this grace of prayer which is a gift of the holy spirit
1: I think as you point out in the book it's essential that Christians learn to open themselves and to yield to the Holy Spirit in prayer so that they can be led by the spirit of God
2: yes and I might say even in my own life you know I I'm constantly trying to do that myself. It's not that I have arrived because I wrote a book or something, mm-hmm. but it's like it's an invitation to live life in the presence of Christ and, and, and in the Father's presence. And the Spirit, just opening to the Holy Spirit is a way of saying yes to Jesus, yes to the Father. And, and by saying yes to the Spirit, we're asking, Holy Spirit, come, guide us, you know, show us the way of the Lord, show us where we should be going, show us how we could, should pray as we ought. And and so, yes, we should be crying out, Holy Spirit be with us on this journey to, to so that we might follow Jesus and, and do the will of the Father.
1: And Jesus did, in essence, name the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. So when yes. you pray with, with the Spirit, you pray with truth.
2: Yes, it's such a, in our society today, you know, there's such a crisis concerning truth for example, mm-hmm. relativism you know is there any objective truth but jesus is the way the truth and the life and then he said that uh, in john's gospel once again jesus says i'm going to send you the spirit of truth to lead you into the full into all truth and i think for catholics we always emphasize that the gift of the spirit of truth is is given especially to the whole church um it's 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 like the spirit is in the church to guide her, and there is a special role of the, of the magisterium, the elders of the church, as in the you know as the apostles were especially given the gift of the spirit to proclaim the full truth about Christ. That ministry continues in the ministry of the bishops and the pope. So the spirit of truth is continuing. To it was Christ's gift to say, as he said, the spirit will guide you into all truth. That Holy Spirit is still, you know, our teacher, still guiding us and guiding us, of course, always into, you know, unfolding the truth that was given to us fully in Jesus Christ, and and through the Scripture that the Holy Spirit inspired, and through the tradition of the Church, which also the Holy Spirit inspired.
1: Well, Dr. Schreck, you're such a scholar of the Second Vatican Council, and it didn't surprise me when I came across in the book you're referring to Cardinal John Henry Newman, because is it a stretch to say he was almost a father of the Second Vatican Council? And even though he was not there, his teachings the hundred years before, on the movement of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Church to guide that truth, it w- it really was essential.
2: Yeah, uh, yes, I believe that, uh, uh, Chris, that, that Cardinal Newman really understood this action when he spoke of, for example, the development of doctrine. It's not distortion mm-hmm. of doctrine, but it's uh, this is that beautiful unfolding of the f- truth. That, that Cardinal Lumen spoke about in his famous essay on the development of Christian doctrine. Mm-hmm. And, and in other things, he had a book called The Grammar of Ascent, which is how we assent, say yes to God. And certainly that is also a work of the Spirit, to, not only that the truth is revealed, but this is the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit, is that there can be objective truth, but we have to appropriate that. We have to recognize it. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit enables us uh, sometimes working through our conscience and sometimes through our intellect to to recognize the truth. So uh, it's recognition of truth is and being able to assent to truth, as Father, as Cardinal Lumen said, was is also a, a work of the Holy Spirit. So it's always funny how the Spirit works on both ends. He reveals the truth objectively, but then he works in our hearts and our minds and in our intellects and in our wills to uh, sort of to, to move us but we still have to say yes, but he's always moving us to to say yes and to respond Mm -hmm. to what God is doing, uh, in a sense, externally.
1: Cardinal Newman is a great example of that that soul that is so intellectually and academically so uh, profound, and yet it was a great marriage in his soul of that movement of the Holy Spirit, I mean, to be able to come to such profound depths of matters of the Spirit.
2: Yes, I I think so. I, I was just privilege of summer to visit Birmingham, England, where his oratory is, and and Colonel uh, Newman has a, uh, definitely a special place in, in the life of the, of the Church, and I think he was sort of a prophetic figure that prepared the ground for Vatican II, yes.
1: Yeah, and it's important when we talk about the Holy Spirit that he works in each of us but he also works in the, in the entire body of Christ. And so in that revelation, as it reveals things to us, we've come to understand the difference between the public revelation and the private revelation. Could you help us to understand that more clearly?
2: Yeah, well, uh, the public revelation is, is what the Holy Spirit reveals as the Word of God for all times that is, uh, that is essential to uh, what god has revealed and and that's why it reaches its climax that public revelation in jesus himself and it's, as vatican two said there's no new public revelation mm-hmm. after the death of the apostles because uh... it's like we can't surpass God himself becoming incarnate and so public revelation is in a sense closed now there's also as i mentioned the deeper understanding of that that unfolds in the life of the church but private revelation is is basically on, individually and as groups, that God does continue to speak. It's sort of like uh, the, the role of prophecy in the Old Testament. Sometimes a prophetic word would come to an individual, uh, uh, God speaking about a specific circumstance or situation. And that, that did not end with the death of the apostles, because this, this prophetic gift has been present in the Church all, all through its history and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, enlightens us to see uh, specific truths that are, are, are given to an individual or a group for their own uh, guidance or edification. And sort of the acid test of private revelation is, it, for, number one, it's never on the same level as public revelation. It mm-hmm. doesn't replace what is in the Scripture and the sacred tradition. The other Number two, it 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 can never contradict it. So right. it's sort of all all private revelation, all prophecies or apparitions, which is another uh, example of private revelation, a Marian apparition. All those things are are works that God is just showing us. I'm still speaking to you. I'm still guiding you uh, uh, in your everyday life and the journey of the church. But um, the private revelation is not. Um, it always is tested against public revelation. And uh, as long as it conforms to that, and that's one of the roles of the magisterium, just to test private revelation if it uh, if it comes up as a matter that is called to the attention of the whole Church. Um, anyway, I make it more complicated, but mm-hmm. I think there's a, even a way that even in our prayer, we, we're seeking guidance from God. And uh, you might say even sometimes when God gives us guidance through His Spirit about what to do, you could say, well, we're into, we don't hear voices, we don't have... It's very, uh, very always you know absolutely crystal clear, but the, the, the point is the Holy Spirit does reveal the Lord's path for each of us, and that's something that all of us are seeking in prayer. And, of course, it's good to have a good spiritual director or spiritual guidance to help you discern uh, what is that gentle voice of the Spirit guiding us every day. So that's sort of below the private revelation as a prophecy. There's even the revelation that we have to receive about what does God want me to do today or, or in my life. Uh, and that's the work of the Spirit. But God, as I said, the Spirit is the friend at our side. He's God's voice within us, guiding us. And, and if we have a prayer life and listen to the Lord and learn that sensitivity, uh, we, can he- we can, in a sense, hear God and follow what He wants us to do.
1: When I pondered private revelation, as you just so well pointed out, that even comes in two kind of degrees, and that private revelation, as you said, that sometimes when you when you hear more widely known in the church, whether it's apparitions or other gifts of the spirit that are brought forth, they never negate if they're authentic the public revelation, the the gospel of our Lord, the teachings of the church, but it, it's kind of neat because it's the Holy Spirit helping a particular culture in some ways in its time in history to kind of break open in another way that that truth that's always been the same.
2: Uh, absolutely, Chris. You know, when I think about Jesus as Emmanuel, God is with us, and in a way the Holy Spirit um, sort of affirms that God is continuing to be with us. The Spirit himself isn't called Emmanuel, but it's when the Spirit speaks through uh, Private revelation and 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 the guidance that he gives individuals, or the encouragement he gives to groups, and and, and other in different nations, and crisis situations, and times where you know people are saying, "God, where are you? What what we mm-hmm. do?" And God does continue to speak, and that is the voice of the Spirit, just as the Spirit spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament. We say in our creed, "He has spoken to the prophets," and I believe that today there continue to be prophetic voices in the church, and um, even. You know, as St. Paul talked about, the charisms. One of the charisms or gifts of the Holy Spirit that St. Paul lists is the gift of prophecy, which is not necessarily, you know, something for the whole Church, which would be more public, but something which is for uh, for individuals, groups, for a specific time in history. And uh, so we know that the Spirit is with us, God is with us, because the Spirit continues to speak through uh, various prophetic words that... that, that uh, we, we should be open to. And Catholics, on the whole, don't pay a lot of attention to that sort of thing, but as you say, things like Marian apparitions, God speaks through Mary, but it's the Holy Spirit always speaking through her if it's a genuine apparition. This is, this is all a way of just saying that you know God is not absent from the world today. God is with us. He is guiding us. The Holy Spirit has a special role of speaking and guiding the Church, which we certainly need in, in our times.
0: Well, certainly we want to pay attention to what the popes have to say.
1: Yes, Absolutely. when they spe- and Dr. Shrek, too, I mean, I, I think it's so important to emphasize in that personal relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit, that importance of discernment in our own lives, and not just about charismatic gifts, but just the the promptings where God is trying to lead us. I think the discernment for individuals, I think that's in an area, especially in the Catholic Church, we all need to be trained. So as we enter into that prayer, we know what is genuinely guiding us.
2: Right. I'd like to just also affirm what Bruce added, to listen to the popes. And, you know, for Catholics, there are some Christians who will say, yes, I'm led by the Spirit, and often it becomes very just individualistic. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, the Spirit said to me this. But one thing that Catholics have that's beautiful is, we know that the Spirit can speak to us individually and personally in our prayer, but He is always speaking to us through through the Church. that The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth given to the Church to guide us. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and there therefore, in listening to the Church, we're listening to the Holy Spirit. When when the Pope teaches or our Bishop, you know, our pastors, you know, we we trust that they are special instruments of God speaking truth through His Spirit, and so. Uh, and, and, and they have authority, in a sense, to discern what the guidance of God is for the whole church. And sometimes for us individually, you know, when we, we have to bring our own, I think the Spirit is saying we should do this. Well, bring it to our pastors, and, and we trust that God uses them. So this is a, uh, a beautiful way where the Catholic Church has the fullness of the picture of the Spirit's work and not just limiting it to, like, only a, a very privatized or individualistic thing.
1: Right. Well it for the world and I think as individuals as well there's an attempt to discount it to to say that it's behind the times that it's not it doesn't speak for us because we're a culture that unfortunately is denies the existence of sin. Right. And part of revealing truth is shining a light in those darker areas.
2: Right. One of the chapters in my book and one of the key works of the spirit is is what you're saying, resisting sin. But the Holy Spirit is, is called holy, and Scripture says that we are to be holy as God is holy. And the sign, of, of the real, the sign that everyone in the world can see, that, that, that people can recognize, is if there is authentic holiness. And by holiness, sometimes people get the idea of being holy as just being pious. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit, you know, enables us to be truly holy, which is sharing the life of God, uh, by And the bearing the fruit of that holiness is in our lives, by our, our words, our actions, conforming ourselves to Christ and the pattern of his life. That's holiness. And that's a, something we know we cannot do on our own. Uh, that's something that only that the gift of the Holy Spirit is in us to make us holy. That's perhaps the primary work of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives is to conform us to the image of Christ, to make us holy as he is holy, as God is holy. And, again, that is a gift. We receive it in our baptism. It continues to to be strengthened in confirmation. But uh, it's really the key of Christian life is to be a witness to the world by living as Christ lived, and not just speaking. We speak the truth that he he spoke, but we also must live that. And that is the real witness that will bring, you know, hopefully conversion to the world when they see Christ in, in us through our holiness.
1: Uh, and I love when you quote John Paul II, and he talks about the Holy Spirit, you discover a double gift, because not only do you find the truth of conscience, but you also get the gift of the certainty of redemption. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, that, that double gift, he he mentions this in, in Pope John Paul in his encyclical on the Holy Spirit, uh, dominum et Vivificantum, Lord and Giver of Life. And this double gift means on the one hand, the Spirit comes to convict us of our sin, and 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 that's necessary. In other words, you know, if, if, it says in Scripture, if if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. You don't mm-hmm. have the truth in you. But the Holy Spirit comes and He He reveals the truth about ourselves that we fall short of the glory of God, that we do sin. But if we were just left there, we would be in bad shape because we'd be, you know, convicted as guilty, but and guilty as charged, but. The beautiful double gift is the Spirit doesn't just leave us convicting us of our sin, but then He enables us to overcome the sin. This is the power of the Christian life, that we have the power to live like Christ, to overcome our sin. And that also leads to sort of the assurance of salvation. This is another thing St. Paul talks about quite a bit. The Spirit is given to us like as a guarantee or a first fruits of the kingdom of heaven that in a sense, you know, People ask, have you been saved? You know, and Catholics say, well, if I know, I, I believe that we have been saved by Jesus Christ, but we also have the evidence of that in our life, that we have power to live as Christ lived. And we know that that's not from ourselves, but it's a gift of God. So that other gift, uh, besides conviction, is the power to live the Christian life, which which also provides us an assurance that, uh, you know, I don't know for sure whether I will be persevere to the end of my life to be saved, but I have a confident assurance, I have a hope, uh, because the Spirit is already active in me, and, and I, can, I can sense that presence, and I can respond to the grace to follow Christ. So Catholics and Christians should be people who, you know, are very joyful and very, and have a certain power in their life, and the power above all is that power to overcome uh, the concupiscence and sin and to have that freedom to live as the sons and daughters of God.
1: Mm-hmm. Your work, Dr. Shrek, just brings the person of the Holy Spirit so much to life, and it makes it more, like as I said earlier in the interview, so often we think of uh, the, the Holy Spirit in images of things or of objects, but you write as though you have really encountered the person of the Holy Spirit.
2: Well, as I <laughs> said earlier, it's... I'm still on the journey like everyone else, but I have to say um, this has really been something that that I I guess when I was in college I had a powerful experience of the Holy Spirit working in my life, and I've tried to be faithful to that. So, I mean, I think everyone in their life in different ways uh, has perhaps had moments where they they sense that, you know, God is calling them and, and there is a grace, the power of God is present. So I think we just have to yield to that, uh, and I'm trying to respond to it, <laughs> yeah. and I guess being someone who's a theologian is I've had the blessing of being able to reflect on this so much of my book, though, as you can see is is just basically reflecting on the texts of the New Testament and the Old Testament and uh, the teaching of the church of course is is beautiful in many of the writings of the saints. but uh, it's sort of like just taking that beautiful gift we have of revelation and just taking the time, you know, to read the scripture, to read the lives of the saints, and then you could see, you know, then you get a sense of the Holy Spirit's action. Another way I like to teach about the Holy Spirit is look at the lives of the saints. Mm-hmm. All of those saints had God's, you know, presence and power in their lives in a unique and particular way, and we can learn so much from each of them about how to respond to the Spirit in our own lives.
0: Mm. Right.
1: Beautifully said.
0: Yeah, you know, I had been grappling with a lot of the issues. You know, with the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about today, and I can remember, gosh, probably 20 years ago, my spiritual director gave me advice. He goes, if you want to try and make it a little more tangible, think of the Holy Spirit as a counselor. Yeah. And well, I'll tell you, that just broke it open for me. All of a sudden I was like, okay, well, you're my counselor. I can kind of, you know, put something that almost has flesh and blood to that and, and just realize that this is a person, this is the person of the Trinity that I can go to for all of that consult." on each and everything that is going on in my life.
2: That's that's a beautiful image and of course it's a biblical image. Jesus himself gave it to us. And sometimes it's just those simple things. Just how do we think of the Holy Spirit is, as our counselor, as our friend, as our, you know, advocate, uh, you know, the one who's on our side guiding us and giving us counsel when we need, you know, to make those decisions in daily life. Yeah, that's great.
1: Well, I think your life in the Holy Spirit, what every Catholic needs to know and experience, is great.
2: And Absolutely. And
1: anyone who wants to begin that greater understanding of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, I think you have to start here. I, th- I just yeah. think, because I think you, you put all, the, all those important points, but you also say it in your voice, Dr. Schreck, as you write, in a way that leads us to make it more real. Yeah. It's not just words on a page.
2: Well, thank you. Well, that's what the Spirit does. He brings the letter, and he brings it alive. So I thank the Lord that he's uh, given us all his Spirit to bring the, the Word of God alive in
0: us, and that's,
2: that's his grace. Amen.
0: Amen. Yeah, it's a wonderful book that will activate the Holy Spirit in your life, so we do want to encourage you. And uh, Dr. Schreck, uh, any uh, final thoughts, anything that, uh, uh, that we missed or you'd like to touch on further about this wonderful person of the Trinity?
2: Well, I I guess maybe I should just close by by reflecting, you know, John Paul II called us so strongly, and Pope Benedict is continuing to talk about a new evangelization and also a new age of ecumenism, of seeking unity. And those, I think, are very much, cannot be accomplished without the Holy Spirit, that boldness to witness. That's what happened at Pentecost. Uh, I think we need the Spirit to touch us, to give us greater boldness, Uh, not to be brash or, you know, uh, sort of pushy, but to really have that courage to speak of Christ and also to seek unity, um, Mm -hmm. which is really the Spirit is the unity of the Father and the Son. I think that we really need to pray for that grace of unity, especially with our fellow Christians, that that we respond to Christ's prayer, they may all be one. So I think those two works of the Spirit are also very important today.
1: We could talk to you all day. (laughs) 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 It would be so easy. Easy for us, maybe not for you, because you're a very busy man.
2: Well, I'm glad to join you today.
0: Well, Dr. Alan Schreck, again, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it, and uh, God bless you uh, each and every day
1: today and, and beyond in all of your endeavors. Thank you very much,
2: Bruce and Chris. Thanks for having me with you.